The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they purify themselves. And there are many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then Jesus said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had from me is korban, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many things like this. The Gospel of the Lord. In today's first reading from 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon dedicates the temple to God. He just built it, now he wants to dedicate it, and he makes a marvelous prayer as well in the dedication process. He says, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or earth beneath. Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. May your eyes be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you said, My name shall be there. The psalmist then, in the responsorial Psalm 84, adds to this by exclaiming, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God! Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Now, this can be interpreted in different contexts. In the immediate context, of course, at that time it was dedicating the temple, which was the concentrated place of God on earth, where people would come and worship in the Holy of Holies to their priests. But as the Old Testament progressed, there was an indication that the temple would not last. And in fact, when Jesus came on the scene, he said, destroy this temple. And he was looking right at this great edifice Destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. And he was referring to his body, which was raised in three days. So now we have this aspect of the temple being the body of Christ. When Jesus established his church in Matthew chapter 16 on the rock of Peter, he considered that church to be his body. St. Paul picks up on this theme as well and says that Christ is the head we, the body, together, we are Christ. But let's take this a little deeper. 
Because although we should honor this particular church and all churches because of who dwells in the tabernacle, St. Paul says that our souls are the true temple of God. We are the temple of God who dwells within us. And so the prayer that Solomon prayed in 1 Kings chapter 8 really can be applied to our soul. And we could say to God, may your eyes be open night and day toward this house, our soul, the place of which you said my name shall be there, and that you may heed the prayer of your servant. Now, the saints have written extensively on this theme of the soul being the true temple. A good example would be St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote her marvelous book, The Interior Castle. She considered the soul as a, like a diamond in the shape of a castle containing seven mansions or dwelling places. And the way into the first mansion is through prayer. And then as we progress in our state of prayer from discursive prayer to meditation to contemplation to mystical union, we progress from mansion to mansion until we get to that seventh mansion, which is the place where God especially dwells. She says of the soul, faith tells us that we possess souls created in the image and likeness of God. And therefore, we should make every effort to carefully preserve the soul's beauty and dignity. The first three mansions are basically the purgative way we come out of sin. Mansions four and five, the illuminative way in which we fill our souls with the light of God's word through prayer and scripture and tradition. And then mansion six and seven, entering into that unitive state. Now, there is always a contrary to what is being presented. So in the gospel, in Mark chapter 7, we have the opposite extreme, where the scribes and Pharisees did not consider the inner soul as important as the outer appearance. They were very concerned about how they looked to the crowds, what they wore, how they were seen. They challenged Jesus on the particular rituals of the Old Testament. They noticed that some disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, not according with the cleansing rituals of the Old Testament. And so they came to Jesus and said, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders? And Jesus points them in that direction where he says, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with lips, but their hearts are far from me, in vain do they worship. And their great sin in this particular case was they concocted a tradition which effectively evaded their obligation to support their parents in their old age. But if they had money, for example, they didn't have to support their parents, but they could dedicate it to the temple as korban, an offering to God, thereby neatly avoiding the commandment that God said, honor your parents. And Jesus points this out and says, you are hypocrites, stage actors, that's something we always have to struggle with, to make sure that it's the soul, it's the heart of who we are, that we especially cleanse and dedicate to God. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Josephine Bikita. 
Now, she had endured great suffering because as a young girl, she was kidnapped by slave traders and sold often as a young person to different masters who treated her very cruelly. From the exterior, she had a lot of wounds from beatings, but she kept her soul very pure, open to the transcendent. She didn't know anything about catechism or about God. She just knew that something existed beyond herself that was beautiful. And when she was finally sold to the Italian consul who treated her very well with kindness and warmth and introduced her to the Catholic faith, she immediately gravitated to it with great zeal. And when she earned her freedom, she went to join the Canossian Daughters of Charity and lived 50 years in the religious life. And quite remarkably, she says in one of her writings, If I were to meet the slave traders who kidnapped me and even those who tortured me, I would kneel and kiss their hands, for if that did not happen, I would not be a Christian and religious today. So she had that pure soul, and she cultivated that throughout her whole life and dedicated herself to helping the poor through her gentleness and compassion used by God remarkably we're reminded that our soul is at the heart of who we are. Let us always make that the interior castle, our prized possession, because God dwells there. And always ask God to purify us, that we may shine forth as a witness to others that there is something beyond the exterior, the surface. There is God dwelling within.